Welcome to Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. This podcast will take you on a journey into the world of gin, where you'll experience this versatile spirit in ways you never thought possible. Now the host of Ginspired, Heather E. Wilson. Hello and welcome to Ginspired, where we talk about and celebrate everything about the wonderful juniper lace spirit called gin. I'm your host, Heather E. Wilson, and on today's episode, I welcome Keith Robinson, distiller and co-founder of Wildlife Distillery Incorporated, located in Canmore, Alberta. And today we chat about his love of gin, the story behind Wildlife Distillery, and all about their products, and of course, a fun incident or two. Welcome, Keith. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Heather. Yeah. And first, as you know, with all episodes, we're going to start by sharing what we are drinking today. So Keith, you get to go first. What are you drinking today? I am sipping on a barrel-aged gin uh, Negroni comprised of our barrel-aged gin, some Campari with a touch of our Amaro as well. So the Wildcat Amaro and Chinar. So it's a quite bitter Negroni. Normally you would have a sweet vermouth in there, but the Chinar is slightly bitter, but quite sweet as well. So it's kind of a triple Amaro Negroni. Ooh, sounds delicious. I love any version of a Negroni. So you had me at that right away. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. What are you drinking? So I'm having a Bee's Knees, which, you know, is a pretty standard gin cocktail. You know, most people have heard of it. and It's so yummy. And I'm actually using it. I found the recipe on your website, by the way. And made with classic gin, lemon juice, and a teeny bit of honey syrup. I don't like mine super sweet, so I kind of cut back on the honey a bit. But, you know, you can't go wrong with gin, lemon, and honey. Yeah, a little on the tart side. That's yeah. the beautiful thing about making your own cocktails, too, is you can really customize the the sweetness or the acidity from the citrus as well. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Love it. Okay. So let's talk about you first. Were you always a gin lover? Did you grow up with it? Where did gin come into the picture? Well, I definitely didn't grow up with gin. It was definitely one of the spirits in my parents' liquor cabinet that I may have dipped into. But to be honest, I think growing up, I was probably preferring dipping into their vodka or something else. Gin kind of came to me definitely in my university days in Victoria. I lived with a couple of great friends from Banff and from Canmore. We had an absolute blast living on Vancouver Island. But gin and tonics was something that we would definitely dip into, double gin and tonics, one, two, three, and just to kick the night off at the house, listening to some music and playing pool before we headed out on the town. So that's kind of where gin first started incorporating itself into my life. Okay, so then... By the way, that same thing happened to me. University (laughs) gin, (laughs) that was it, right? (laughs) That's where the story starts in university and there's no going back. Okay, so then take me from that point to starting a distillery because there's obviously a big amount of time between the two. Yeah, so like I said, I went to school in Victoria, did a business diploma out there. It was a two-year diploma that took me three and a half years. And I surfed probably more than I went to school, but I had an amazing time. (laughs) And then from there, yeah, in 2010, I moved back to Alberta. And actually, my business partner, Matt Woodmer, lived with him in Victoria. So that was kind of where our friendship really blossomed. And we became really, really good friends. Moving back kind of both at the same time, I went to work on drilling rigs in Alberta. So 
My friend got me a a job working on a drilling rig and I did that for kind of six seasons. I'd work six months of the year, seven months of the year, and then I'd go travel and surf for the next, you know, five to six months. And then it was supposed to be just a year, but that turned into six amazing seasons of learning how to work really hard, you know, making some decent cash that I could then go and kind of travel the world and explore and learned a whole lot about myself. And yeah, that's kind of a big part of my development was exploring and traveling the world. So yeah, that was the next six years of my life after university. Wow. Um, yeah. And at that point, Matt had moved back. He was managing a family restaurant in Banff, Ticino Restaurant. That's like a Swiss-Italian family operation. And yeah, from there, Matt and I just kind of became quite curious about distillation in itself. And Matt did a distiller's course in, in Boston of, you know, five days, how to become a distiller, which you can learn how to become a distiller or operate <laughs> a business in five days is kind of silly. But yeah, he, he was quite interested in it. We built a still from a miniature hot water heater. So a 40 liter space saver hot water heater, they call it. Wow. And built a column off of that. So this was all kind of blueprint out of a corn whiskey making. So we were doing some reading. We were, you know, researching on the internet, traveling around, visiting a few distilleries, but wanted to kind of start experimenting for ourselves and built our still, did our first mash from barley, barley grain in their family restaurant's big soup kettle, you know, fermented that grain out to a distiller's beer, put it in our still and got spirit off of it a few weeks later, which we found was, you know, incredible that it actually worked. So that was the first time we've ever distilled something. And it was kind of the holy shit moment of it worked. I think we could do this. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. But what did it taste like? It wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we made a lot of different spirits off that still. We experimented with barley, corn, wheat. We also did some molasses fermentations to, you know, try and make a rum. And there was a certain, I guess you'd call it house character, this flavor that came off that, which at the time we thought, you know, we thought it was pretty good, but it wasn't until we actually started you know, tasting a lot of other spirits and distilling professionally that we realized how shitty that spirit actually was. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all part um, of the learning process, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that was kind of the birth into distilling for us. We actually then bought a little glass still that we then started doing kind of gin distillations in with a more neutral spirit. So we'd be just buying neutral spirit at that point, you know, those bottles of 95% vodka that you can buy, diluting that and then experimenting with different botanicals. So that's when we really first started distilling gin. And that was probably in 2015, I think, is when we built the still. And yeah, started to get an idea of, you know, what botanicals gave which flavors and which ones we liked and which ones we didn't and in what quantities and ratios you needed to add different botanicals. So yeah, that was kind of our first time distilling gin intro into that world. Okay. So why gin? You know, you could have done vodka, you could have done all sorts of other things. So why gin in particular? Yeah, I guess gin initially, we knew it was something that we was starting to make a comeback and across the world, really UK, mm-hmm. Europe, into the States, into Canada. It's a spirit that can be so different. You know, like there is probably 50 gins in the province now here in Alberta, but everyone has a very unique, distinct flavor because gin can have you know, whatever you really want in there. Yes, you have to have juniper. You should have coriander, but it is up to your wild imagination as to what you want to put in there. So it's a really fun spirit in that sense. Absolutely. I mean, Um, one big reason I love gin is there's no two gins alike. Okay, so let's talk about your gin, ultimately. So you have various types. So can you just walk us through your different gin products? 
Yeah, of course. So we started initially January 2017 is when we opened and we released a vodka to start, right? So that vodka neutral base is what we make all of our clear spirits from. The base of that gin is 70% hard red spring wheat that we get from a farmer in Standard, Alberta. So the Rasmussen's in Standard are growing our wheat and then 30% of that mash bill is malted barley. So those two grains kind of comprise the recipe or base for our neutral spirit that we're producing at the distillery. And then from there, we're able to, once we have a, say, a finished neutral spirit, it's been filtered, it's been cleaned up, it is our vodka that we could package so instead of packaging it with vodka, we'll push it back into our still and we're going to add our botanicals. So we do two types of infusion. One is maceration in the liquid itself. So our berries, roots, and spices are going into that liquid in the still. So that's your juniper, coriander, angelica root, orris root, cashew bark, grains of paradise. So those berries, roots, and spices can withstand kind of boiling in that liquid. We then also have a few different citrus peels that we'll then put in our column. Similar to a gin basket, those vapors are then boiling off of that liquid and passing by the citrus peels, pulling those oils and those flavors up and across, and then coming out of that still as our gin. So we have lemon, grapefruit, orange, and blood orange in the column, giving it this big, beautiful kind of citrus component to it as well. I would say our classic gin is juniper's there at the top on the left. Your citrus is there at the top on the right, if you're kind of picturing the two biggest botanicals. Just below that, you definitely have some coriander and then your middle layer of kind of roots and then a touch of spice towards the finish. And we have overproofed it slightly at 43.3 so that it kind of stands up in a cocktail. Once you stir it into a martini right. or once you, you know, shaken it with some citrus and you've added some sweetness to it, you still get that gin across because we find that there's... A lot of your bigger brand gins at 40%, you stir that or you, know, you mix it into a cocktail. Yeah. You've lost the gin. <laughs> you might as well be drinking yeah. vodka and juice. Exactly. Yeah, so. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is our classic gin. Okay. And do you have any other kinds of gin? Yeah. So the classic gin will then put into ex-bourbon barrels. So wild turkey barrels that we pull from Kentucky. And that'll sit in those barrels for anywhere from six to eight months. And during that time... If you can kind of picture an X and a Y graph, gin botanicals start quite high. Uh, over time, those are kind of mellowing out a little bit. Your oak, your bourbon, your sugars, your vanilla, like vanillins from the oak itself, over time are pulling into that spirit, right? So we're then, yeah, after six to eight months, what we're dumping out of this barrel is still quite very much a gin, but it's absorbed that, you know, some tannin, some oak, sugar, that bourbon kind of whiskey complexity that you expect from, yeah, a bourbon or a rye, anything that you're aging in, you know, virgin oak. And it's this beautiful, you know, it's gin, but it has this influence from whiskey. So I really like just sipping it. It almost has this kind of chamomile note. It's a very special gin, very different. Barrel-aged gins are definitely becoming more popular, but a lot of people Absolutely. don't quite understand, you know, what a barrel-aged gin should taste like. So we really enjoy playing with it in whiskey-style cocktails. We'll do a barrel-aged gin old-fashioned or mm -hmm. a barrel-aged gin Manhattan or anything that you would generally put whiskey into. You can experiment with some other barrel-aged products. So. Absolutely. I've actually converted some whiskey drinkers to drinking gin by giving them barrel-aged gin. Yeah. Awesome. It's its own unique flavor and just so yummy. Yeah. Okay. So you have a couple other kinds of gin too, though, right? Yeah, we do. So classic gin, barrel-aged gin. We then do seasonally a Alberta botanical gin. So this gin, we are 
handpicking, foraging, everything from the province here in Alberta. So Rocky Mountain juniper, thistle flower, rose hips, Labrador tea leaves, wild sage. Every year it is changing slightly based on what we're able to get our hands on. So this is the true truly Alberta kind of terroir gin, which has become very popular. But like I said, we can only really do it in the fall when a lot of those ingredients are ready to be harvested. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll go out with a, either a group of volunteers, ourselves. We also have Facebook bottling groups. So we have people that come in and help us bottle and we'll post to the bottling group saying, get out there, pick some juniper berries and bring your juniper berries in. A certain weight gets you a certain prize to others people out kind of picking juniper berries for us. It's a cool community builder as well. So mm, That sounds really um, fun. Looking for a little ginspiration in the kitchen? In Ginspired, the ultimate gin cookbook, you'll discover over 100 gin-tastic food and drink recipes celebrating one of the world's most popular spirits, gin. From everyday meals to special occasion treats to happy hour libations, there's never been a better time to eat and drink with gin. Pick up your copy at theginshop.ca or on Amazon. Yeah, that's a special gin that we do once a year. We also have a couple of seasonal gins. This summer we brought back for the third summer in a row is our rhubarb gin. So this is a slightly different botanical mix in terms of the distillation. We're then infusing it with rhubarb and a touch of strawberry and then sweetening it up a little bit. So it's really nice just on the rocks or just the rhubarb gin and a tall glass with ice topped with soda water or mixing that into your knees or your Mm. rhubarb Negroni or something like that, which is really, really nice. In the winter, we kind of phase out the rhubarb gin and we bring in our blackberry plum gin. Similar style, but instead of that rhubarb and strawberry, you get this nice dark fruit with a hint of plum in behind it. The distillation itself has a little more kind of winter spice to it. So it's this really nice kind of wintry, fruity, seasonal gin for the winter time. And then we also have a few gins that we do for a few hotels around in the Bow Valley here. So we do the Rundle Gin. So the Rundle Gin is a gin that we do for the Rundle Bar at the Fairmont Bamp Springs. So we've partnered with them to produce a purple or blue gin. So it's butterfly pea flower that we're infusing into the gin after distillation that has this beautiful purple blue tone to it. They wanted for their release of the Rundle Bar that they recently renovated after, I think, 100 plus years. So that was a really special gin that we did for them, which does really well in, you know, gin and tonic. That purple pigment that's in that butterfly pea flower Mm -hmm. is a base indicator. So if you're adding any acid to that, whether it's a lime or lemon, have a tonic syrup that we make that is also quite acidic, that little bit of acid is going to completely change the color or the pigment of that and becomes this kind of bright kind of pink fuchsia color and that you can see that color change as you're pouring that acid into the glass so it's a really cool way to present a cocktail if you're you know entertaining people and you have your rundle gin in the glass with your soda water then you slowly pour your tonic over top of it you can see that color change which is yeah it's impressive yeah i was gonna say it makes a really impressive cocktail so if you're trying to impress your guests (laughs) that's a good way to go yeah so i noticed that some of your gins have won awards what are the most recent let's say Yeah, most recent awards. Every year we'll enter Alberta Beverage Awards and our vodka through our gin, through our barrel-aged gin have all won at one point or another since 2018 up to 2020, a best in class. So super excited about that. That is, you know, our most regional awards that people pay attention to. 
We've also entered the Cask Awards, which is the Canadian Association of Craft Distillers, and the, the gins have done quite well there as well. And then we've gone to the San Francisco International Awards and the SIP Awards, where the gin, I know, won a double gold, I think, in 2019. The vodka won a gold in 2020. So yeah, kind of across the board, we're winning some gold, some silvers. We're up against some amazing gins in the province here. And we feel really lucky to be producing in a province where there's so much innovation and some really, really good people in the industry and great products coming out of it because of that. And we're also making whiskey. So like I mentioned before, whiskey was kind of the dream for us. And what we're doing is we're making a, a wheat whiskey, a rye whiskey. We have a single malt whiskey sitting. We have some peated single malt as well. And we've kind of been experimenting with different barrels as well. So in our warehouse, just down the highway outside of Canmore here, we probably have about 180 barrels sitting, which is for us a lot in the right. big picture, not a lot, right. <laughs> but it's pretty special for us to go walk into that warehouse. You get hit with this, like what you think would be the smell of bourbon, but really it's American oak, fresh white American oak. Our wheat whiskey and our rye whiskey are in predominantly virgin American oak barrels that we're pulling out of Kentucky with a little bit of those two types of whiskeys into ex-bourbon barrels. Our single malt whiskey is going predominantly into ex-bourbon barrels. So similar to what they'd be doing in the scotch industry, they're taking their new make whiskey made from 100% malted barley, and they're putting it into ex-bourbon barrels. So once used barrels, and those barrels have a lot less in it, like oak intensity sugar than your virgin American oak barrels, so the ex-bourbon barrels are kind of like a second-use tea bag where they've given <laughs> off a lot of their intense flavor and oak and the single malt takes longer to age because it's really just the spirit, you know, taking its time to develop and yes, pulling flavors from that barrel, mellowing out, pulling those sugars and that, you know, that whiskey flavor that was in that barrel previously, but it takes a little longer. Whereas the, the wheat whiskey and the rye and the predominantly new oak pulls a lot of flavor pretty quick, a lot of color, a lot of flavor sugars tannins from that barrel and therefore you're seeing a whiskey coming out of that barrel traditionally a touch younger like your american bourbons and rye at you know two to five years because that intense flavor from that barrel i don't want to say masks the youngness of the spirit but it gives that spirit a different quality where it's potentially ready to be consumed a little bit earlier than a single malt whiskey would be Ooh. yeah Okay, so let's change directions a little bit and let's talk about being a distiller. So what would you say are some of your biggest challenges of being a distiller, you know, in Canada or in the world or wherever? Yeah, some of the biggest challenges is just trying to figure out how to make the darn spirit when you're, you know, inexperienced and right. coming, you know, from a home distillation to, okay, now we have a distillery and we've got to, you know, figure out our recipes and our mash processes and the distillation. So it takes a lot of hard work and trial and error to to figure out how to make the spirit when you did it the way we do. I mean, even those that go to school for it, I'm sure have a little bit of a few episodes of, oh shit, that didn't work or that doesn't really taste that good. So yeah, it's a lot of commitment and a lot of time put into creating your recipes and yeah, really trying to create a really clean, neutral spirit for that vodka, for that gin base. Mm -hmm. And then that changes when you trying to make a whiskey too, right? The whiskey's not as clean of a spirit. So it's learning how to distill, I think would be one of the biggest challenges initially. I guess next would just be, to be completely honest, Matt and I, my partner and I both started doing all the distilling and the mashing and like all of the production. Today, I 
don't do all that much production. It's myself. I'm sitting up in the office behind a computer yeah. in business development. And I wouldn't say, I guess at our scale, the, some of the biggest challenges aren't maybe in the production room, but it's, yeah, learning how to sell a product or market a product and, you know, creating a community around you or dealing with, you know, government agencies and taxes. We would pay crazy taxes on products produced in this province, similar to what, you know, all the big, big boys would pay. And we don't have the economies of scale to afford the steep, steep liquor taxes. So the provincial markup taxes, the federal excise taxes, they really bite into your margin, your ability to reinvest back into the business and to grow the industry within this province, right? So yeah, government's a big challenge that we are working with to try and give us some advantage being a local distiller and let us grow and let us reinvest back into the economy and, you know, buy more grain and Hey, so what's next for you and the business? Anything coming up this summer or new product ideas that you can actually share with us? <laughs> yeah, we're actually building a new production facility. So wow. That's really exciting. And that's taken up a lot of my time in the, I guess, past years since trying to raise capital and convincing people to you know, give us their money. And this is what we're going to do with it. So it's been a really busy year in that sense. So we're really excited. We've got a really, really strong team working with us at the distillery. So we're 10 full-time, possibly 11. So still a very small team, but yeah, awesome team. That's We have rocks in every department that have been with us for a really long time. And we wouldn't really be able to do what we're doing if we didn't have those people in place. So yeah, really stoked. Um, the team that we've built and the products that we've made, we've launched a couple canned cocktails this summer. So we have a Camor Stampede, which is a gin and tonic that has our tonic syrup in it and a bunch of other, you know, fresh citrus and other ingredients. And then we have, it's called a wild mule. It's called Letterbuck. So it's our wild mule. And that also has our mule syrup in it, along with fresh ginger, lime. So these two kind of really fresh summery RTDs, so ready to drink cocktails. And we kind of tried to hit this middle ground where there's a lot of canned cocktails that are quite syrupy, quite sweet. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that are just flavor water, right? Yeah flavor of water with vodka or gin. So we worked really hard to kind of, you know, make this really nice, beautiful, balanced cocktail that isn't too high in sugar, isn't just flavor water. It has a fresh ingredients that people would kind of expect to taste when they like come gin? to the distillery itself. And yeah, one of them definitely tastes like gin. All the right, gin good. Tastes like gin. Yeah. Hey, too many that you're just like, mm, no, there's no actual no. alcohol in this. <laughs> there's no gin here. Okay. So. So we have now reached the point in the conversation that I would love for you to share a gincident story. Did you have a gincident story to share with us? Gincident. Yeah, probably. Sure you would. <laughs> Being that you started drinking gin in university, I am pretty much positive you have some gincident stories. Yeah, I'm going to say probably the most hilarious gincident that I've seen was when Matt and I were still playing around at home. I'm not sure if it was Christmas party or Halloween party or something in the basement of Matt's parents' place, but we had our little glass laboratory still running as kind of, I don't know why we had it running at that point with 30 people <laughs> in the house, but the still was running. There was high proof gin coming off of the still and we were collecting it in the little hundred milliliter graduated cylinder. Right. So, you know, your gin spirit might go into the still at 60%, but because yeah, as you're distilling, your alcohol is evaporating at a quicker rate than your water is. Your alcohol is always concentrating no matter what. So it's probably coming off the still. I think it's, I want to say mid to high 80s. I was going to say uh, 90, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was probably depending on the still, but I think on this still, our gin would come off middle of the run. 
around, yeah, mid 80s. And we were kind of having people, you know, smell the gin that was coming <laughs> off and maybe dipping a finger into it and, you know, putting it on your tongue to taste the flavor. Because right. one friend thought it was maybe a shot of gin. <laughs> and he tipped back the graduated cylinder and probably got an ounce, ounce and a half of 85% gin. The look on his face was like big eyes, instant salivation. And he just ran out the door uh, onto the lawn and you can probably imagine what happened. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> he'd probably already been drinking. Oh, yeah. So that was like um, the icing on the cake. <laughs> that was the icing on the cake. And I think that finished him off for the night. <laughs> oh, it would finish off a lot of people, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, but yeah, just the look on his face and the instant just like tripping from the mouth. It was pretty funny. And I don't think we brought that still to a party ever again. Yeah. Stills are generally not party favors. <laughs> Unless it's like... In the actual distillery behind glass and people can just look through and go, oh, there's this nice still and it's making cool stuff. <laughs> but yeah, that was really fun being able to kind of play at home and share with our friends as okay. well. So, but that was a bit of a mishap and next time we'll definitely warn people not to take a shot, but just yeah. smell and dip your finger into it. Maybe. Smell and so, dip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Smell and dip. Don't smell and chug. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share about anything? You know, we're pretty much uh, our, our time, but if there's anything else you'd like to share, we totally, you know, can do that. Yeah, I'd just like to thank you for being so passionate about gin and for helping to build the gin community and sharing all the different stories, uh, I'm sure, across Canada. And I'm sure you've done some, you know, across Europe and wherever you're doing your interviews, the world. It's pretty yeah. awesome to be able to share that with people and to... Yeah, it's really fun to talk about gin. So it <laughs> it's you. easy. Yeah, it's easy. It's such an easy conversation. <laughs> yeah, some gins are easier to drink than others, but the conversation's always easy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could talk about gin all day long. So it's not a job by any means, you know. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, awesome. Well, and there you have it. Everything you ever wanted to know about Keith and Wildlife Distillery, all their super yummy gin products and, you know, what's to come next for them and just so much more. Thank you so much, Keith, for being here today. Thanks for having us on, Heather. Have a great long weekend and enjoy the beach and your gin. Thank you. You too. And thank you for listening. Be sure to leave us a review and check out the show notes for links to Wildlife Distillery and theginshop.ca for all your gin clothing and novelty needs. Until next time, remember, to gin or not to gin, that's a very silly question. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. If we've ginspired you, let us know by leaving us a comment and a review. Or drop us a note at heather at theginshop.ca. We may even read your email or feature your ginspirational story in an upcoming episode. And remember to follow us on social media. Until next time, let the party be gin.